0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we're in the middle of a study on the book of James in this series called Reflections on Wisdom. Pastor Sean is in James chapter 4 talking about passion, which seems like a noble trait according to the world. Being passionate is perceived as a good thing, but the Bible also describes a downside to unprincipled passion that can bring harm to those around us and to our relationship with God. We're going to learn how wisdom can harness and channel passion in a matter that improves our life and our contribution to the world around us. The message today is called Letting Wisdom Lead. It's time for Real Life Radio.
2: I think there's a danger, and I see it all over the place. Christians moving beyond reaching the world to the place where we would now want to please the world. And it may seem like a subtle difference, but it makes all the difference. It might be well intended, but it's never wise. And I've seen so many. I read Christian blogs, and I see what people are talking about. And there's a whole movement within supposedly Christian circles that is very anti-church. And it's like there's this desire to kind of cozy up to the world and say, yeah, aren't they bad? We're not like them. Aren't they bad? Here's the deal. Remember, Jesus said, by this will all men know you're my disciples. Not that you rip on each other. The person who thinks they're really being spiritual by ripping on everybody else in the church, that is an arrogance and a pride. It might be thinly veiled, whatever. I'm not talking about self-policing. Okay? There's a degree where we need to call out our own stuff and say, hey, wait a minute. We need to be honest with one another, but that's to be done in a sense of community. By this law, I know you're my disciples, that you love one another, but there's such a thing that's kind of almost wanting to cozy up to the world and understand uh, we never attract the world by being worldly. They don't need more worldly. They already got that. It's covered. All we do is reflect ourselves as kind of insecure and kind of just please accept us, accept us, No, what appeals to people with truly seeking hearts, looking for something true, real, is when the church is actually the church. We actually love one another. We are passionate about Father. We follow him hard. For those who are open to what God wants to do, for those with a hungry heart, that's appealing. The third enemy is the devil. Third enemy is the devil. And it's like, oh, we get really weird. Oh, dude, are you really going to go there? That's not very sophisticated. And please understand, I, I know this because I grew up Pentecostal, so I know all about this. Seriously, I knew people who got so crazy in the, you know, kind of spiritual warfare thing that they'd see the devil, oh, there's a demon in the stool, demon, out, And, you know, on the stool, and you're like, dude, it's furniture. It's not great furniture, but it's just furniture. And I, I, I saw people who went to wild, crazy extremes and got all weirded out, you know. This, honestly, what James says about the devil, this is the best verse on spiritual warfare, I think. This is the essence of spiritual warfare. Remember what James said in verse 7? He said, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's the best verse on spiritual warfare. and I will talk more about that later. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But he talks about a spiritual enemy. There is a real spiritual enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of the air. There is a spiritual enemy. God is spiritual. There's a spiritual realm. And there is a spiritual enemy. And James says, you really shouldn't give too much attention to him. Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, the placement of James 4 is really significant. Remember, those verses and chapters that help us find our way around the Bible, they weren't there in the original letter. James probably wrote either on a scroll or on parchment. And so the chapters and verses were later put in by editors to help us find our way around and notate what was said in the Scriptures. But James didn't have that, so what was right before, understand, remember the passage we read in the first week. It is right before this James 4. James 4. I remember what it said, James 3, 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? So it's all about wisdom. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Sounds a lot like the list in Galatians, doesn't it? And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The next words are what we read. In James 4, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it, not, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Because this is what James is trying to get a hold of us and get across to us. is so important. Following Jesus means being led by his wisdom, not by your passions. Following Jesus means being led by his wisdom, not by your passions. And this is, I think, I, I shared in the video that I sent out this week. Uh, that this is one of the biggest stumbling blocks to so many people in actually walking in wisdom. They think, oh no, I've got these passions. I'm supposed to follow my passions. Wrong. Understand, healthy passion is a wonderful motivator. And it's a gift from God. But it is not supposed to be the leader. It is not supposed to be the leader. Passion needs to be led. Say that with me. Passion needs to be led passion is neutral right passion is not good or bad it's neutral it needs to be led you could have passion for things that you go oh man this is a really great passion and it's great Uh, you could also have passion for other things that you go i can have passion for spending a lot more money than i make that's not a good passion you we all know people like that i'm a passionate spender yeah but you're not a passionate earner and so you have a problem this is just math now but i'm not judging you i'm just doing math here you're going to have a train wreck here we have a government that's become a passionate spender not so much a passionate earner and we're gonna have a problem it always leads to a problem so passion is neutral you ever talk to someone who's kind of out of touch with their passions oh man and you just talk to them, i'm going to be a pro basketball player and it's going to be awesome that's my passion i'm going to play professional basketball i'm like have you ever watched a video of yourself playing you know you're 5'7", right? Your mom's 5'4", your dad's 5'8". I don't know that this is going to happen for you. Okay, I just don't know this can not Now, I don't know. Maybe there's other things that you might end up being related about. That's basketball. That's cool. But you're out of touch. As a musician, I'll hear people go and say, Hey, listen this. I'm going to be a singer-songwriter. I'm going. I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to do this. And it's just like, oh, Lord, what do I say? I don't want to be mean, but... No, your passion, no. Maybe you can do something connected with music. I don't know, but if you say my passion is, it can be misplaced, it can be misguided. And that's an important understanding. Lots of things can influence our passions. We should not be people of our passions. Passion, when it's healthy, when it's well-led, is a powerful motivator and a great thing. And you need to know that. But we have to be real careful. And we talk about being people of principle versus passion. Principle setting up guidelines and leadership for passion. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Myers Briggs inventory. I really like it. I think it's a pretty cool tool for just understanding how people are wired and motivated. It's a great tool. It talks about it, it looks at four different areas and kind of based on how people kind of lay out in those areas, it really is a very good predictor of kind of or at least revelation of how people respond. The first one is extrovert versus introvert. And there's no good and bad in any of these. It's just, you know, and largely, are you more charged by kind of time alone or are you recharged by time with people? And that's a good indicator, okay? It's not always all that obvious. I'm an extrovert, but I'm not a super high extrovert. I do need those times to kind of pull back and regather. Some people, man, they go out and get there with a bunch of people and they just keep getting charged up, you know, and I have some of that. Lori, not so much. Lori's an introvert. She needs that time to charge. And that's just the way we're wired. The next is between what they call intuitive and sensory. Intuitive people are people who tend to be more abstract. They tend to be more abstract. And sensory people are more concrete. You know, an intuitive person is going to ask the question, tell me your visions, tell me your dreams, in a job interview. Tell me what you envision, what you see. A sensory person is going to tell me what you've done. Both are valid, but it's just the way people are wired. The third is the one I'm really referring to here, and it's the thinking and the feeling. And remember, these are, these are both positive, and they both have potential pitfalls, and they're both positive. And understand, if you're a thinker, you have feelings, and you feel, and if you're a feeler, you think. Okay, so it's not, that's not what it's saying. It's saying, when you're going to make decisions, what are you going to be more motivated by? Thinkers tend to be people who are going to be motivated by, okay, here's what I know, here's the facts, here's what I see. And feelers are going to be more motivated by, but wait a minute, is this going to impact this one that way? And this is going to impact and more by the circumstances and by the relationships around them. And then the last one is just perceiver or judger, which those phrases don't really mean anything as far as the, the actual concept. I mean, I'm sure they do. I just, you know, I've not seen much of the connection. The perceiver is the person who wants open-ended. They don't like, to, they don't like closure because they want more input, They're, the more opportunity. They want to see what else is going to happen. The, judge, the J people, judges, are, they want closure. They love closure. They love lists. They love get this done and move on. Okay? So in an organization, you want a lot of J's working there. If you're going to have some P's moving around, you need some J's to help. You know, But it's that, that thinker-feeler thing. And this is one of those things. That's when you talk about passions and principles. I think we need to be careful. Of course, the thinker has the challenge of kind of being cold and kind of just too analytical you know the the paralysis by analysis right but the feeler has the potential to let their feelings just lead in ways that sometimes aren't great understand something feelings are real they are real they are not always accurate that's a really important thing for us to understand if you have strong feelings about something that that is very real and needs to be dealt with because it's real but that doesn't mean your feelings are accurate And that's kind of what we're talking about here. These passions, they can be sometimes overtly negative things, but sometimes you can even be led by things that, well, that's not necessarily bad, but is it right? Is it real? Now, James gives us some things to help us deal with harmful passions and to lead us to God's wisdom. He gives us a decision, he gives us a discipline, and he gives us a denial. And I want to look at those real quickly for you as we kind of charge towards home on time.
1: We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this series called Reflections on Wisdom from the book of James as found on the sermons page at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
2: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And back to the message, Letting Wisdom Lead, based on the book of James This is Real Life Radio.
2: Three things real quickly. A decision. Decide to submit your life to God's leadership. That's what he said in verse 7. Decide to submit your life to God's leadership. That's so critical. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. It all begins with submission. And here's the problem with spiritual warfare. People trying to resist the devil who've never submitted to God. They're trying to resist the devil, do spiritual warfare, and whatever, and they haven't done the basic kind of thing of submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You want to do spiritual warfare? Submit and resist. And there's people, well, shouldn't we do spiritual mapping out there? And you know, I, I don't know. I don't know about all that. I, I know what the scripture says. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So my big question is not, what am I saying to the devil? I don't care to say much to the devil doesn't seem very nice to me. So I don't want to talk to him much. Okay. Submit myself to God. Make sure I am submitted to the Lord. I'm following his spirit. And then the enemy really, it's kind of, he's like a paper suit, man. He just, there's really not a whole lot there. When you are following the Lord, you're walking in his ways and you are following his leadership. Submit yourself therefore, to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You understand uh, the beginning of Christian discipleship is submission. That's what it is. That is, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, the beginning of that understanding is submission. And you're like, wait a minute, but I've heard people teach Jesus can be Savior, but not Lord. Is that true? I don't, I don't believe that. I've heard people teach this idea that, oh no, Jesus can just be your Savior, but you haven't made him your Lord yet. Um, that's like schizo-Jesus theory. I, there's, not, there's not two Jesuses. There's only one Jesus. You embrace Jesus, okay? And let me tell you how you embrace Jesus. Salvation, the scripture's crystal clear. You know, there are two things required in my heart for me to become a follower of Christ. The first is repentance. second is faith. I have to believe and I have to repent. And let me tell you what repentance means. You remember what repentance means? It's like I'm walking a direction in my life, doing my own thing, and I come to this place, God's grace, His spirit, His wisdom hits me, and I'm like, my way is not working. Okay, My way is leading to hurt for me, hurt for the Lord, hurt for other people, and I don't want that anymore. And that's the the beginning of coming to Christ. And repentance means to turn in my thinking and to turn in my decision to say, I want your way. I want your way. That's, That's what repentance is. I'm sorry for what I did. I don't want that anymore. I want your way. Understand something. That is an act of lordship. I have just said, when I repent, I've said, not my way, Lord, I want your way. So I don't think you can even become a Christian if you're not interested in his way. Remember in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches this incredible sermon. Now, when they, Acts 2, beginning at verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you, for your children, for all who are far off, every, everyone whom the Lord has called to himself. So his response is, repent. And this isn't just for them. He says, this is for everyone, the generations to come, who come to follow Jesus it begins with repentance, which fundamentally is an act of submission. And he says, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, here, here's the deal. If your position, and I, I want to be real clear here, and I don't want to be hard or mean to anybody, but I want to be honest. If your position is that, well, you want God to be a part of your life. Okay? You want to be a part, but you don't want his leadership. Okay? Let me just say real clearly, you're not a Christian. You might be a seeker. You might be someone interested, you might be on your journey to discovery, but you're not yet a follower of Jesus because fundamentally, if you're saying, I don't want his leadership in my life, you haven't yet repented. And understand something, the spirit doesn't come as some sort of consultant or advisor. When the spirit comes, it's like it's God in you. It's the Lord, the creator, the alpha, the omega, the sovereign king of the universe coming to dwell in you. I've always hated that ridiculous bumper sticker that used to be popular. He said, God is my co pilot. God is my co pilot. I just want to talk to the person. Okay, so the eternal Alpha and Omega is in the plane with you, the God, the creator of all things, and you're going to make him the co pilot? And you're the pilot. No, no, Lord, if I need you, you can take things, but right now I've got it. How ridiculous is that? No. He's the king. He's the leader. I'm the follower. I'm the subject. I'm the servant. That's the relationship of a follower of Jesus. And it all begins with that first step of repentance that says, my way is screwed up, God. I've hurt myself. I've hurt others. I don't want anymore, God. I turn to you. I want you. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you don't stumble and fall. It just means that in your heart of hearts, you said, yeah, I want him and I want his way. I want his leadership. So submission is the beginning of our Christian experience. It is also a powerful way to deal with those harmful passions. Following Jesus means being led by his wisdom, not by your passion. Second, the discipline, okay? We talked about the decision, now the discipline. Embrace the discipline of drawing near to God. Embrace the discipline of drawing near to God. Remember, James described wisdom comes from above. He's not just like using the phrase, he's not squeamish about talking about God, okay? He's talking specifically about the Lord. He's not saying the big man upstairs. He's saying, no, no, the wisdom from God. Relationship with God is the first thing. I want to challenge you. The best way to have your passions be led in the right direction is to spend time daily with the Lord in prayer and the word. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There is no, no greater habit than being in prayer in the Word. We have a Bible reading plan at reallife.org to help you. It's a chapter a day and a simple method called REAP. If you've never studied the Word, there's a thing there called Bible Virtuosity, a great resource to help you just kind of know how to study the Word. If you're like, I wouldn't know where to start. Well, go to reallife.org, Bible reading plan, and click on that Bible Virtuosity. It's a plan that'll take you through the Word, little two and a half minute videos every day, just to get you started on reading and growing in the Word of God. Man, there's no discipline that'll change your life. Like that discipline of drawing near to God. It says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Now, understand. Remember the language you used? Because there's some confusing language. You're like, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinner. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. It's like, okay, draw near to God. That doesn't sound fun. The whole wretched, mourn, and weep thing... Well, do you understand what we're grieving and what we're mourning? It's our sin. And sin is the thing that keeps us separated from God. Sin is the problem. That's why the cross was so essential. What he's talking about there, that every Jewish listener would have understood when he said, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, they would have understood the ceremonial cleansings before worship. They would have known exactly. What he's talking about is one of those things that will happen as you draw near daily, is you will have a time with the lord being cleansed you don't have to walk in guilt you don't have to let sin separate you sometimes we go sin is that thing it always separates it always kills but we're like okay well when i get cleaned up then i'll go to god that is absolutely backwards go to him spend time with him he'll address the sin he'll talk to you about the sin but what you'll find is he'll speak grace he'll speak a message of conviction and repentance but he'll also speak a message of hope and possibility and of empowerment through his spirit Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. That's what happens when we draw near, a daily time of cleansing and renewal before the Father. Following Jesus means being led by his wisdom, not by your passions. Last thing, and I'll wrap with this, the denial. The denial. We talked about a decision, a discipline, and a denial. Deny the voice of pride by walking in humility. Deny the voice of pride by walking in humility. Understand something. Pride is fuel to our carnal passions and desires. It is fuel to our carnal passions and desires. There is such power in humility. Pride makes everything worse. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what experience you've had. Your pride will keep you from the help and the healing that you need. My wife and I were talking about this morning. Someone we love and care about who's just struggling with something, but their pride won't let them go and submit and receive healing and help. And yes, there's been some real stuff that they've walked through, very difficult things. But pride is literally like it keeps you from anything good. It keeps you from the healing that God wants to bring. Humility is the exact opposite. I've heard it said there's nothing, no situation that can't be made better by more humility. Stop and think about that. That's true. That is absolutely true. You notice the words used, and it's interesting, that whole passage on drawing near to God, is it has a little bookends on either side. And that's humility. Verse 6 says he gives more grace. It says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then verse 10 says humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. There are blessings of humility. Scripture says God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And it says he exalts the humble. Humble yourself, and he will lift you up. Do you understand what this means? This means empirically. You need to understand this. Okay? This is the word of God. I'm not making it up. It is true. Okay? You will be humbled. And scripture says you will be exalted. You get to decide in what order and by whom. Right? If I humble myself, the scripture says, Father comes and he now lifts me up. He restores. He heals. He wants to build me up. That's his desire. But if I exalt myself, it says he will oppose me and he will humble me. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So you will be exalted and you will be humbled. You get to decide in what order and by whom. I suggest God's order. Because, man, I'm just telling you, humility makes so many things just work better. Humility at work, people want to help you more. Humility in your family, people will grow. It'll create a, a growth environment. Humility in your marriage, you'll be able to work out even the toughest problems with your spouse. Humility can't think of a situation that isn't made better by more humility I, I, i'm a believer who thinks you know people talk about leadership styles and leadership okay and in, in ministry we talk about it and in business you know well this guy's only got a leadership gift up to here he can't really lead an organization like that i think with enough humility you could lead as high as you want because you'd know what you can't do and you'd help someone else do it i think with enough humility you could accomplish just about anything because you would have a clear understanding well okay i'm not the guy to do that i'm not the girl to do that i got to get somebody to Help, and you would ha- wouldn't have a problem with that. Humility is powerful. And remember what he closed with, the idea of gossip and judgment among one another? Uh, humility makes that just irrelevant. I can't sit in judgment of other people when I'm humble. The minute I start judging other people, the minute God's humility and, and that sense of the Spirit's conviction and humility comes on me, it's like, wait a minute, how much have I been forgiven? How much have I screwed up that God gave me grace? And it's like, yeah, I can't really sit in judgment on them. I don't get to be judge. Only one can do that, that's God gossip about someone else's humility kind of changes that. Following Jesus means being led by his wisdom, not by your passions. Passions can be wonderful when they are led by the principles of God's wisdom and God's spirit. Is there an area where you're thinking, you know, you've been struggling? Stop and examine. How am I doing as far as God's principles of his wisdom? Or am I letting my passion? Get turned sideways and letting the flesh, the world, or the enemy get a hold of my passions and twist them. God, what are you saying? What do you want? Because that's God's wisdom.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Ozaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio as next time we will continue in this series on wisdom based on the book of James, which is available right now on demand when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.